Now, Suhei B. Astar, I, I think I'm doing okay pronouncing his name, but he was very insightful this past week. He updated his, his website with a, a post, and it was the first post that I saw that had been done in almost about a year, but he updated his website with these words. The title of the post was, The Guy Who Live Blogged the Osama Raid Without Knowing It. And then he followed that title with these words. That is what I am for the next few hours on Twitter. Now, maybe you don't know his name, but he is the man who, as the U.S. Navy SEALs were closing in on the compound of Osama bin Laden, he was about a mile and a half down the road, and he noticed something strange going on down the road. And so he gets on Twitter on his computer, and he starts sending these updates. Hey, there's something crazy going on. I see smoke and fire. And little did he know that he was immersed into probably the biggest story of the decade. He had no idea that just down the way something worldwide was happening. He had no idea just how much he was into that story until it came out what was going on down the road and he found out exactly what he was telling everybody what was going on. And he had a good take on it, I think. I think he realized that as soon as people realized what he was talking about, they would rush to him. The spotlight would be on him. But that as quickly as that spotlight shone on him, it would soon turn away. And I think that's a good thought for us today because it's safe to say, I think, that the lure of Easter has gone away for a lot of people. It's faded, right? The bunnies are gone. Thank God, maybe. <laughs> Some of us who didn't get our lilies planted in time, they're looking kind of wilt, and they're just kind of laying there. And the only thing good about all this Easter stuff being gone for most people is that anything chocolate with a bunny on it is 90% off. And I think that's always a good thing. Always. But it reminds us that, oh, how quickly we are to let things go past us. Now, so many people on Easter morning, when, they, when they're in the moment of that Easter, they come to hear that Easter story of the empty tomb again and again. I think it's a great story to hear again and again, obviously. But there's another Easter morning story that I think is just as cool, just as important maybe even. It's a story we have this morning. It's that same day, Luke tells us, when two of Jesus' disciples are walking. Now, usually when we think of Jesus' disciples, we think of those 12 guys that he pointed out and they said, oh yes, and they dropped their nets and followed him. Now certainly those are Jesus' disciples. Those are the ones that we know their names and we know a little bit about them. But the gospel writers remind us that they weren't the only disciples. Jesus had. Other people heard and believed and decided to follow Jesus and were called his disciples. And this morning, we have two of those. One whose name we know, the other we don't. But they're walking to a town called Emmaus. Say that with me, Emmaus. Now, we don't know where Emmaus is. Uh, There's a little speculation and a lot of doubt. Luke tells us it's seven miles, more or less, from Jerusalem. But Who knows which direction and really where that is. But that's not really the point about, I don't think, maybe, where they're going. It's interesting, if you think about it, uh, Suhei B, the guy we 
we started with, he kind of did the opposite thing that these disciples did. He noticed something was going on, and he didn't really run to what was going on, but he paid attention. He, he found out at least. He was, he was keeping his eyes open, his ears open. Who has a crazy boom? And all oh, this fire jumping out. He knew something was going on. He was at least interested to find out what was going on. But these disciples seem to be doing the opposite. As the story progresses, we find out they know what had happened in Jerusalem. They know what had happened to Jesus. They know what had happened to the women and the other disciples about what they had seen or what they had not seen. And yet, they don't care to follow the story anymore. They don't care to stay in Jerusalem to make sure what's going on. They actually turn around and go somewhere else. Now, I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they going to Emmaus. Maybe there's a function. Maybe there's something already planned on the calendar and they couldn't let it down. Maybe it was a Mother's Day barbecue and you can't make mama mad like that. Who knows? But as they're going, they meet a stranger. And that stranger confronts them and he, he notices that they're talking and discussing something. He says, hey guys, what are y'all talking about? And it's at this moment that Luke tells us that this is sort of a somber journey these disciples are on. Luke tells us that they stop and they're sad. Now, they aren't sad just because, you know, their favorite team got knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. Billy, Ronnie, Susan. They're not sad because the weather, you know, didn't cooperate with their weekend plans. The stranger hears them talking. What are you talking about? And they say, what are you, the only stranger who hasn't heard about the things that happened into Jerusalem? And Jesus gives this (laughs) crazy question, I think. And he asks them, what things? Now let's be sure, right? This stranger knows what things they're talking about. This stranger is Jesus, and Jesus happens to know what things happened to Jesus in Jerusalem, right? Y'all with me? What things? Well, then they begin to tell him their interpretation of it, right? And what they tell us, I think, is this. They had hoped that Jesus was going to be the one to liberate them to set them free, not just them too, but all of their people from the oppression of the Roman government and so on and so forth. And they were convinced that Jesus was going to be the one to take care of that all. But their leaders and their chief priests had something else in mind. Hmm? They were sad. I think we could say they were hopeless because the hope that they had that Jesus was the one, was taken, was snatched from them by their leaders. Everything good that they thought was about to happen, everything good that they were sure God was about to do, was taken from them. Their hope was taken from them. Now, friends, I'll just tell you, having your hope taken from you, that is a hard way to live. Maybe these disciples are going to Emmaus to get away from it all. 
Now, this is important, though, because I happen to be in the business of hope talk. A lot about hope, all right? About the hope that the resurrection of Jesus gives us, about the hope that we have in God's image for us, about the hope that we have in the life God has for us. And all this talk I have about hope, I realize that it is very difficult for many of us to live into that hope. Like those disciples who were traveling to Emmaus, we can be sad too. We could be hopeless like they were. Or at the very least, we could have our hope challenged and tested in many, 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 many different ways. Think about how your world is shattered when a loved one dies. Think about our hope can be challenged when we watch our relationships with our spouse or with dear friends or neighbors deteriorate right in front of us. Think about how our hope is affected when we feel like we've lost our jobs or our well-being, how it's taken from us. Or when we watch family members or those whom we care for sort of destroy themselves and how hopeless we feel to be able to do anything about it or anything for them. These are just some of the things that can just take the hope right out of our lives. Friends, I want to remind you this morning that we love and serve a God that walks with us. Picture these two disciples walking along this road and their faces are down, and yeah, they're discussing, and they're sad, and as they're there, Jesus meets them. And they don't just sit down and have a little chit-chat. Jesus invites them to share the pain that is, on, that are, that is in their heart. And then, he walks with them. I hope we don't just gloss over that part of the story. He invites them to share what is on their hearts, and then he walks with them. And friends, I think it's faithful to say, and I think it's all right for us to realize, I think it's one of those things that we amen, but that our God meets us where we are, with all of our doubts, with all of our fears, with all of our anger issues, with all of the things we're questioning, with everything we're struggling with, with everything that we're battling in our mind, with everything we have that could suck the hope out of our lives, God meets us where we are with all of those things, and God walks with us. Don't be sorry. Be sorry you didn't say it loud enough from hearing it back. God walks with them. Sometimes, though, it's, it's hard to affirm that. It's hard to sort of get the hallelujah out sometimes. It's hard to buy into it. We look at somebody else and say, easy for you to say, and we want that hope or we want that assurance that somebody else has. Well, friends, let me also remind you about this of the those two disciples. Luke says it, that Jesus himself, right? These are two big words, right? This is the Jesus who on Friday had his Friday plans changed. And this is the one whom Sunday did something great. And Luke says, 
Jesus himself met the disciples where they were and walked with them, but they did not recognize him. Now, I don't know. There's a lot of talk. Maybe there was something different about the way Jesus looked. Maybe. Who's to say no? Who's to say yes? But I kind of wonder if there was something inside the disciples themselves that was keeping them from seeing who Jesus was. Their sadness, their preoccupation, their running away that they couldn't see who he was because of what they were dealing with themselves. See, friends, our struggles, our pain, our confusion, those things we battle with, those things can keep us from knowing Christ is here right with us. They can keep us from recognizing that God is walking with us. It could be going on all around us. Everybody else sees it, but we can't see it because we're overcome by something else. My friends, understand when we can recognize how those things keep us from seeing God, something great happens. We realize, we trust, we reaffirm We can stand up straight again. We can talk about hope again. We can change the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves, because we can see that God is walking with us. We realize that we weren't missing the story of the century down the road. We were missing the life God had for us. And we were missing the fire in our hearts that the disciples had when Jesus was talking with them. See, friends, when we, can, when we can struggle past those things, please don't misunderstand me. Those things can really, they're really good at getting in the way. They do their job. They can make us blind to God. But, friends, we can see again. We can see again. We can have life again. So don't let me suggest that because you're dealing with something that's keeping you, that that makes you any less faithful or any less anything other than human and stuck in this funky world. We all have those things. But it's the hope we have as God's people that we can see again. And as God meets us where we are, I don't know, I I can hear God asking us the same question that Jesus asked the disciples. What things? What things are keeping you from knowing the life that I want to give you? What things are keeping you from living into the hope that you are supposed to have? What things have fooled you into thinking that you are not loved? What things have divided you what things and when God asks us those things then God walks with us would you pray with me oh God here we are here we trust that you are as well. You have met us here in this place. And the funny thing for us is you know the things on our heart. 
You know the things that are keeping us from the abundant life you have for us. But God, you still ask us. So Maybe it's good just for us to get it out there, to say it, to acknowledge it and call it what it is. But God, now we ask that not only would you meet us here, but you would remind us and assure us that you will walk with us the rest of the way. That you would give us the courage to keep walking. That you would give us the courage and the faith to see past those things that are keeping us from you. Thank you, God, for your willingness to walk with us. For your willingness to talk with us. It's out of that walking that we can have your life. And it's that life we pray for now, God. Amen. Yeah, amen.